Today on the podcast, Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time, we talk about grief in a different way. Grief that comes from our own decisions. Decisions that can lead to a more fulfilled and happy and purposeful life. Join us as we talk about what makes a good life and how to hold space for both the grief, the gratitude, the intentional decisive action. My guest today is Lauren Eckert, CEO of Burning Soul Press. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the podcast, Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. I'm your host, Jenny Diltz, and I'm a certified grief coach and the founder of Grieving Coach. I specialize in helping people transform grief into growth. And I do this one conversation, one heart, one experience at a time. From my personal experiences with grief, I have learned to lean in, ask questions, and reflect with gratitude on the lessons I've received from grief. Now I use this pattern to help my clients transform their own grief from foe into friend. And if you'd like to explore this further, send me an email at jen at grievingcoach.com or you can visit my website, grievingcoach.com. A special thanks goes out to the nonprofit organization, Reimagine, who has built and supports a community to host events like these and interviews um, where we can lean into the hard stuff in life and heal from it and use it to find beauty and healing. Today, I have with me my friend, Lauren Eckert. Lauren is the CEO and founder of Burning Soul Press. An award-winning and best-selling author and ghostwriter, she is passionate about helping purpose-driven people capture their life story in a book-led movement that changes lives. Lauren founded Burning Soul Press in 2020 after 12 years in the human resources field to work with aspiring and career authors in pursuit of changing um, in pursuit of sharing a powerful and deeply impactful story or message. She is passionate about ensuring people feel truly seen, heard, and understood and accepted as their most, most authentic self. <laughs> um, Lauren is tree-obsessed, laughing all the time, multi-passionate, creative, and has fun trying everything, even if she isn't good at it. Learning how to do anything is one of her favorite hobbies. Awesome. Lauren, thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for having me, Jenny. I'm really excited to chat with you again. I am too. <laughs> um, your title is um, how we can, based on how we can um, allow self-inflicted grief to turn into happiness. And so I'm really intrigued and excited to hear more about that. Well, it's a brand new part of my journey. So we'll kind of be exploring it together, honestly, and really kind of fleshing out the concept today. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> 
Um, before we get started, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at burningsoulpress.com or we're Burning Soul Press on Facebook, on Instagram, or I welcome, of course, the just the interactions on my own personal Instagram, which I use more than Facebook, and that's lauren.n.acart um, on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you. So let's jump right in. What are we exploring today? So like you said, we'll be looking into the idea of self-inflicted grief um, and, you know, how to, how to go through it in a way where you really trust that happiness is on the other side of it. Um, you know, I feel like it's something that I have struggled with for a large part of my life. I feel like I've been very um, safe, protected of sorts in the sense of not having a lot of tragedies happen to me. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like most of my rougher situations in life have been things that have come as a result of my own choices. And it's interesting how hard it is to own up to that or to admit when you've been through hard things, when you're like, well, it's all my fault. Like I made these choices that led to me feeling this way. So is it really the same as when, you know, things just happen to you versus you willingly (laughs) waiting through it? Mm -hmm. Um, but like I said, as I've gone through this last leg of my journey, especially, you know, it's, it's been eye opening to me that, and talking to you, our first conversation where we, you know, got to know each other and you're like, grief is grief. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to just be like what you first think about, right? Which is someone passing away. Usually that's your first idea when it comes to grief. You're like, grief can be anything. Yeah. Um, And I think it's okay to admit that sometimes we bring it on ourselves because we want to grow. We have hope of what's to to come on the other side. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's believing that, and like in my own personal journey, which we can dive into more, but sometimes it's, um, you know, you take on grief because you do want to grow. You want to become better. And, you know, the only way to do that is to actually go to the other side of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a new concept to me. (laughs) The title actually, the self-inflicted grief, uh, came from Allison, who's my right-hand woman and burning soul press and a good friend. And she was talking about that. And I was like, Oh, that is spot on. Like, that's what I'm doing. And, Uh it's, I don't know. It's always interesting when you actually put a name behind something, right? Like it almost empowers you to own it and see it. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's the power of leaning into grief and recognizing that, like you said, grief doesn't come from just the death of a loved one. It can come from so many different sources. And when we have that label, oh yeah, this is grief. Then we can start to unpack it and deal with it and grow from it. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And to not be scared of it, um, to not be scared of inviting it in, right. Because grief is always one of those things that you just want to run from. You don't really want to lean into. And as you know, in the work that you do, it's so important to lean into it and not just Mm -hmm. run from it, not just to avoid the word, um, you know, I think we look at life a lot of times with, you know, it, you know, we're so focused on the happiness, the rainbows, the sunshine, like that's what we feel like it should be all the time. But I think it's okay saying 
grief is welcomed as mm-hmm. much as happiness is welcomed because every part of it is an experience of this life. Yeah. Yeah, like my big thing, like when I've been like praying with my kids at night and everything, you know, my big thing lately is thank you for every single minute that we have to be alive and to feel everything that we have a chance to feel. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so awesome. Grief is as welcome as happiness is. Yes. Yes. And it's hard to remember that in the moment. Sometimes it's easier talking about it when you're not totally feeling it. But, um, you know, I feel like there's even like waves with, within the, the grief itself. Right. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, like right now I feel like I'm still in this, this grieving period for a lot of changes in my life. And like two days ago, I was on the couch sobbing, depressed, struggling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then today I'm still in the grieving period, but I'm able to talk about grief in a different way. I'm able to talk about where I'm at today in a different way. Tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think it's okay. It's always going to be a roller coaster. You don't always have to have it figured out. You don't always have to know what's coming around the next corner, but you do just have to accept it for what it is in the moment that it's here. Mm -hmm. And grief has a, I like to personify grief actually. Mm. It has a personality of its own. She comes when she wants to, she leaves when she wants to, she teaches us when we're ready. She knocks on the door waiting for us to open it. Mm. And she's willing to help us grow to higher heights. Yeah. But we have to open that door and let her in. That is powerful. And I love that you, you do like there's identity behind her. Um, And I love what you said. She's here to teach us something. And I think that's the most important thing for us to, to latch on to, because that truly is why we're going through life. Like people are like, why am I experiencing this? Why am I going through this? I think it's so important to stop and say, what am I supposed to be learning from this? Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, no man is a friend. No man is an enemy. Every man is, a, uh, a teacher. Let me say that again. (laughs) No man is a friend. No man is an enemy. Every man is a teacher. And I think that's so powerful when you think of experiences, even not just the people in your life, but I mean, especially if you want to personify um, grief is what is she here to teach us? What can I learn from this experience? Mm -hmm. If I actually step back and approach it from that way. And, you know, especially with grief, a lot of times it's those, it's so sad moments. This is traumatic moments. It's the eye-opening experiences that set us on the path that we're supposed to be on. It helps us see more of our purpose. It lights up a part of us that was maybe never, never set on fire before until that moment. And we realize that there's something more that we want to do that actually makes a positive difference in this world. But for many of us, we wouldn't have experienced it if we didn't go through that grief aspect or whatever else was attached to it. Um, 
and it's really important. You know, I think one of the most incredible parts, and it can be hard. It's, it's interesting when you talk about like journaling, because some people will journal every day. Some people won't journal at all. Some people will only journal when there are situations going on in their life. I am not a journaler. I wish I was. <laughs> I'm better at a, being a memoir writer, you know, like we're really reflecting back and like in capturing everything as a whole versus mm-hmm. like daily exercise. But what I think is incredible, no matter what approach you take to it, is having that that moment in life that you can reflect back on with this is where you were and this is where you are today. What exactly have you learned? How have you changed from that moment to today? And how would you have been? And this is all hypothetical, right? But how would you have been if that moment never happened? Because sometimes it's easy for us to say, I wish that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But how would you be different today for better or for worse? What would you know today that you didn't know until you went through that? Exactly. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And each, each of those moments, each of those experiences along the way, build us and shape us into who we are today. Yes. I always call them the transformation periods. We do this exercise when I'm helping people, you know, write their memoirs and kind of uncover those stories and their path that they should be able to capture for their books. And I, I call those moments, the transformation moments that you happen that happen in your life. And I laugh because they can be so minor as like, a look. It doesn't always have to be this full-blown experience, right? But it can be like a look from someone that made you feel a certain way. And maybe it completely pivoted your life. Uh, I, I give this as kind of a, a joke, but you know, it's like one of those examples. Um, I remember when I was, uh, I don't know, 12 or 13, I was watching, I don't know if it's still on, uh, America's Next Top Model. I don't know if you, if anyone remembers that show or like I said, maybe it's still on, but I was always, uh, just obsessed with the photography aspect, especially how they could like build these scenes and then take these, you know, incredible pictures as a result. But I remember walking to my mom, going into the kitchen and between an episode once, and when I was 13, I had braces. My legs were like way too long for my jeans all the time. So it was like high waters all the time. And I went to my mom and I was like, uh, mom, I want to be a model. And she goes, "Eh." (laughs) you know, as a mom, she's protecting me. Right. But in that moment, I was heartbroken. And I thought, I mean, I'm 38 now and I still look back and I remember that moment. And I remember how sad that made me feel and how like low about my (laughs) self-esteem I felt, you know, Mm -hmm. from that. And it was this like, 10 second look slash maybe a little noise and that was it not words not actions and it crushed me in that moment and it completely put me on a different path right um Mm -hmm. I feel like it partly contributed to why I wanted to stay hidden so much for my life like it was kind of like oh yeah I'm not good enough to be out in front right like I can't Mm -hmm. be it's a whole different thing but um, it wasn't the only situation, but like contributed in a very tender moment of my life. Um, but that's the thing with, you know, no matter what you're talking about on your journey, it doesn't always have to be these big action packed events. 
you know, it, it doesn't have to be anything like that. It can truly be, um, just a look, a moment, something like that. Awesome. Yeah. That's amazing perspective. Cause I think a lot of times when we think about our transformational moments, it's those big action packed life-changing oh my gosh my my world is never going to be the same moments so to re recognize that these little tiny 10 seconds of reality checks or self-identity transformations can also be just as life transforming yeah yeah it doesn't have to be the bombs exploding or you know anything else mm -hmm. in terms of like a climax and action-packed event that significantly changed your life but i feel like we have a lot of those throughout life um and it's kind of like what we were talking about just even with those moments of grief we expect to to attach to attach them to these magnificent sized events mm -hmm. but like in that moment i felt a lot of grief sadness that I wasn't good enough. It was like a part of me, of my self-esteem died a little bit <laughs> in that yeah. moment, you know? Um, and I don't think we, we give a, enough acknowledgement to all of those moments and how they do significantly impact our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talking about transformational moments, what's the biggest challenge you've ever faced? Mm. <laughs> Is there a biggest, <laughs> you know? Because um, in the moment, they always feel big, right? It feels like the biggest in, the, in that specific moment. Um, you know, right, I mean, you know, it's kind of like what we were talking about. Right now I'm going through a big one. So right now it feels like the biggest I've ever experienced. Uh -huh. like, who knows, you know, <laughs> two weeks from now. Um, and I'll just yeah. share with everyone. I'm very much an open book. I'm going through a divorce right now. And it's been a lot of like more of my, my uh, initiative behind this. Um, just realizing different things in my life, my growth journey, that sort of thing. And, but it's hard because, um, you know, it's this moment of really honoring how a relationship has served your life for a period, but we have two little children in the, in the, in the mix of that. And it's hard going from being around the children all the time to now having days like two days ago, I was sobbing on the couch when I had to drop them back off and I missed them even now, right? Like one is here, <laughs> uh, you know, on spring break, but it's still hard for me to think about just those moments of not being around them every day. Um, and it's so hard because, you know, is, is the fact that I didn't, you know, have to do the split time with my kids now, or I, you know, am not in the same neighborhood that I was before that I loved, or I was surrounded by just the best people. Um, is that enough to stay in a relationship that you feel like has reached its, its serving period, you know, mm -hmm. where it, it's come to this point where it's better for two people to step away. Um, and I can see, I can see why people stay in situations because so many elements of it's hard <laughs> to deal with after mm -hmm. the fact, like what I'm currently working through. Um, so right now it feels like an extremely hard period. I've gone through massive periods of 
loneliness, of doubt, of um, really examining your entire life and new and through a new lens, the people you choose to surround yourself with, mm -hmm. those who have chosen to view you as less because of the decisions that you've made, even though you feel like they're their best decisions, you know, but um, it, it's been, it's been a very, very difficult period. So right now it feels like that big challenge. Um, yeah. but I'm very hopeful on what's on the other side. I'm very hopeful that this will be the best decision for my life moving forward, for his life moving forward, for our kids' life moving forward and everyone involved. Um, mm -hmm. but it's hope right? And that's all you have. You don't have the proof right now, but you believe and you believe with everything in you. And it makes waiting through these moments. It's the only thing. It's the only thing <laughs> guiding yeah. me through this and pushing me to the next, next stage. Uh, because I can tell you through even making these decisions, it's been, you know, months, if not a couple of years in the, in, in the making here. And um, there were many times that I just, wanted to not make the decisions I had to make mm -hmm. and it's going back to that self-inflicted like I am causing this on my life but there's different levels that you're choosing of happiness of sacrifices throughout your life and you just have to weigh those mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes it takes making those decisions with a risk and just trusting Two weeks, there could be something harder. I hope not. <laughs> you never know with life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you mentioned holding on to hope and trusting the trusting that you're on the right path. Where can you find hope strong enough to help you wade through all of the difficulty? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I think you have to have your anchors in place. Thing with anything with life you have to have your constant anchors right and for me for a lot of what I do in life it's it's my kids are my anchors um you know it's it's you know I want to be able to show them what what uh you know certain relationships look like to set better examples to set better examples of who I am as a person and mm -hmm. teaching them how I'm truly in this moment of finding fulfillment within myself versus going back to expecting divine happiness and everyone else around me and then being disappointed if that's not met, right? Like truly mm -hmm. within yourself, your, you know, religious, spiritual, you know, having that connection with God, the universe, like whatever it is, um, and feeling whole within that. Um, that's another anchor. And then it's, I don't know, I've always been an over, overly optimistic, <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I will believe and believe even past the time of something coming true, you know, like I have yes. always been like that. And I just feel like we weren't put in this world to necessarily suffer, right? Like we are here to feel the full scope of everything that could be provided to us. I really believe that we're supposed to want good for our life and not just constantly sacrifice our own happiness for what we should be doing, like for mm. duty, you mm -hmm. know? Um, 
so I think it's just that it's just believing that my purpose is greater and knowing when that feels stifled, when it feels shut down, when I'm not being who I know I was made to be believing that I'm making the choices to be able to fully step into being that person. Yeah. Powerful. <laughs> Work in progress, Jenny. Work exactly. Progress. <laughs> as, as it is with everyone. Yes. <laughs> and for all of life, right? I mean, mm. if you're not, how boring, right? Like, I don't ever want to be, I mean, it sounds great to be a complete work, but then what you just sit around and you're complete. Like, I don't know. <laughs> then what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that would be okay too. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. I believe in eternal progression. I like that. Define that for me. I like that. So even, so I believe in an afterlife. Hmm. And even after we die, that's for me, death is like a transition. Mm -hmm. It's going from college, from high school into college mm -hmm. or advanced learning, whatever that looks like for you. Um, there's still more learning, more growing, more development mm -hmm. that can happen even after death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether that comes from being an influence in your loved ones who are still in mortality or growing your own essence mm -hmm. or energy in whatever form that takes for you. Um, I believe that there is still progression mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I completely, yeah, I would echo that. <laughs> It's not just what we can see in these bodies and these in this moment. There's so much more to it. Mm -hmm. I agree. <laughs> Internal, what do you call it? Eternal progression. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And the the effect, what we say and do now doesn't have to end with us. It passes on, like you're talking about your children. It passes what we do now affects. Yeah. our children and their children and their children yes even if you don't believe in an afterlife or if death is the end for you the events the actions the thoughts the seeds that we plant in our lives today they don't stop growing no totally agree that's why I do what I do with burning soul cross and, you know, the importance of capturing people's stories. I mm -hmm. feel like that is why. And one of the biggest heartbreaks that I hear in what I do is when people find out what I do and they're like, Oh yeah, that's really great. But my story's so boring. Like no one wants to hear it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, yeah. your story is so important. Like you have overcome, you've been through situations, you've proven your resilience over and over again. I mean, unless you've lived in a bubble, which I don't think anyone has, even in the bubble, there are going to be hardships, right? <laughs> um, it just, uh, oh, every minute that we are here, like all combined every minute, these seconds together, like 
we are contributing to the collective future, right? Like every single second is making a difference and we're all contributing to that. And that's why I think it's so important to capture our stories, to prove like, this is the impact we had. This is the message that my life can help you with or can reflect or can teach on or whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. and like you said, everything is just a seed being planted for the future years, uh, everything. And that's why I think it's so important to remember that and see our roles. Like when people sit around thinking, you know, what can I do with my life? Or I want to make a bigger purpose. I mean, those are great questions, right? But everything you're doing while you're thinking about it is making a difference. (laughs) Uh, It's the kindness. It's, it's how you're choosing to live your life. It's how you're choosing to, I mean, like when we go out and walk the dog, you know, we're picking up trash off the ground because like every little bit makes a difference. Uh, It doesn't always have to be anything big. It's just in those little moments, Mm -hmm. everything adds up. How can we go from sitting on the couch and watching our life happen Mm. to us to taking a more active role in the moments in the seconds yeah by deciding (laughs) right I mean what what is it uh we have you might know this too uh 3,000 decisions we make every single day is that what it is 3,000 I think it's like 3,600 or 3,000 decisions that we're making every single day so, you know, it's, it's every decision with, when you choose to do something, you're choosing not to do something else, right? When you're choosing to say one thing, you're choosing not to say something else. That's all it is. It's yeah. every day is just filled with that. Um, and so I think it's just like, you know, I think there are days like two days ago when I dropped off the kids and I was sad and you know, I had 50 billion things to do, but in that moment I needed to lay on the couch and just feel my emotions and just be okay. Mm -hmm. But then there are times when it's like, I could either watch Netflix for 45 minutes, which turns into three hours because it's Netflix (laughs) (laughs) or, or I could choose to call up a friend and ask how they're doing or go and volunteer somewhere. Like, everything's just an active decision. And, you know, what's really important to, to think about is, um, if someone was like watching your life, they were, they were walking next to you or, uh, oh gosh, I think of like those shows, like, uh, the Truman show movie. Do you remember that with Jim mm-hmm. Carrey? Yeah. Where he's like living his life, but he's really just like on TV and everything's designed to for him to be entertainment and he thinks it's his real life. Anyway, I always think like, what if someone's just really watching your life like that? What would they be able to say about who you are based off of how you're living every moment of your life? And if you're like, well, I wouldn't really like what they would say about that. Well, what can you do differently in your life? Like, what are the actions you can take? And when you find yourself start saying, yeah, but I don't have the time because I'm in this 40 hour a week job that I hate, you know, I, my, my time's going here, here, and here. Those are all still decisions we're making, right? Like if you hate your job, are you actively searching for something else? Or are you just like, nope, this is, this is what's what I, what I have. These are the cards that are dealt. Um, So I think it's like you said, we can look at the world or the universe, like it's happening to me, or you can look at the universe, like it's happening for me. Like the universe is ready 
to work for me and it is on a basis when we like actually pay attention to it and listen to it Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of signs right a lot of opportunities that are being presented that either we're closed off to and not and not listening to or you know once we do start becoming more aware because we see that the universe is actually working for us everything starts to shift so you know i really think it's just making the decision being more intentional and um making the right decisions and taking back control. We're so quick to be like, this is out of my control. This is out of my control. Mm -hmm. You had to realize by saying that you're giving your power away constantly. And are you powerless? No, (laughs) like we're not. Um, So it's finding that power within and remembering what that looks like and how we want to, to be reflected in this life and making the decisions that honor that. Soapbox. No, this is this is awesome. Okay. I'm just taking in the soapbox actually because in the last uh just this past week I've been learning about um mindset mm-hmm. and limiting beliefs and yeah. how that limits us and how we give our power away when we buy into those. And I've been learning about intentionality and manifesting and creating and <laughs> so this is like all coming with what I'm the stage that I'm in right now with life speaking of listening to the universe here's the universe going Jenny you're on the right path you're learning about the right things yeah yeah those are all important very important concepts and things to study and read and learn more about um because they do they truly shift your life um like I say, I think a lot of it is even just stepping back and thinking about like, what am I supposed to learn from this situation? And then you learn and you take it and you apply and you feel the growth. And then you're looking at that situation in a completely different light than what you mm-hmm. would have otherwise. And I think that's the, that's the key to learning and growing from our grief is yes. to be able to learn from it, take the lessons that it has to teach us. Mm -hmm. so we can look at it in a different way and then once we can look at it with different glasses different eyes then we're more able to move forward with it that is a hundred percent and I think that's a big thing um you know when we have grief that happens to us we want to replay what happened in that moment and think about what if I did this differently going into, or, you know, what if things were different and it never happened when you're making the decisions to bring grief into your life, it's the same thing. You're going, what if, what if I'm messing everything up? What if I, if I just totally screwed my life up by this, mm-hmm. but the thing is when you're in this mindset of, I am here to learn and I am going to grow it makes those decisions a little less scary because you know, no matter what you're going to learn. And sometimes it's better to act because you know, you're going to learn rather than be stagnant in the same situation and feeling the same things day after day after day, because then you don't grow. Mm -hmm. So I think when you do, like I said, you, you get in that mindset, you're able to handle grief, but you're also able to, to make bolder decisions because you're like, even if it goes bad, I'm going to learn and I'm going to be a better person after this. Yeah. And there's safety in that. 
I needed this conversation. <laughs> like, okay, Lauren, you got this. <laughs> this is your universe, Lauren. You got this. You're on the right path. <laughs> it's easy to tell other people, right? It's not easy to coach other people, but it's always harder first taking it in on yourself. And man, sometimes I think you just need to like either have a podcast interview where you're able to give advice <laughs> to other people that you're actually taking or have conversations with yourself in the mirror and just be like, all right, pep talk with yourself. It's not crazy to talk to yourself. You know, it's a good thing because you're human and yeah. you're, you're you, but you know, you need to talk to yourself sometimes too. So as long as you listen to yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if, if you're not a verbal person, some people aren't. That can be through journaling, through art, whatever mm -hmm. your expression is. Yes, I do. Or I used to more so. I haven't written fiction lately, but my fiction always came from the exploration of who would I be if, or um, it would be, you know, really taking those concepts, the feelings, anything like that, and writing it out in fiction form. So it can be journaling, it could be a fiction story, it can be like said, painting, art. And I mean, I think that's why we're all, you know, people will say they're not creative. I feel like everyone has a creative streak in them in some way or another. Mm -hmm. There's something that they can actually do that maybe they don't even call being creative, but it is. And I feel like that's really our, um, you know, our way to really reflect our feelings in a lot of ways. Uh, it's like our outlet for that. When we're in tune with it, it's beautiful. <laughs> it helps us release those feelings. But, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't know what that is for them. That's so important to, to know. Yeah. I was with um, with BJ Miller on a reimagined event one time, and he was talking about creativity as, and I know I'm going to botch but his definition but it was like the sentiment of it was creativity is making something out of an experience out mm -hmm. of nothing out of chaos out of like something that. yeah and creating something else yeah yeah I mean, it's, it's like the, the age old, right? Like we're, we're reflections of God. Well, yeah, God is the most creative <laughs> being in this world, right. That has ever existed. And we are all reflections of that, um, just in our own ways, our own talents, our own skills. And I do like that. Even if you take chaos, problem solving, like all of that is creativity. Um, mm. that's beautiful. Um, I'm curious what um, what were the series of events that led you to create Burning Soul Burning Soul Press? Sure. Um, you know, it's been interesting because it's been truly my full cycle throughout my life, and I see that now. Um, so ever since I was six years old, I knew I wanted to write books. I wanted to write stories. Books were always my life. The things I was always happiest around, you know, like even just moving into my new place recently, the first thing I did was unload my books because they just made me happy. Uh -huh. um, and it's been like that ever since I was a little girl. And uh, writing was one of those first things that I knew I could do well. Um, that I kind of got that, that external accolades affirmation with, um, 
won the Young Authors Award three years in a row when I was younger, uh, dominated that. <laughs> but, you know, it was more than that. It was truly like, okay, I'm good at this. Like, uh-huh. and there's of that. Um, and then, like, I had an incredible fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Hannah, where she really just encouraged me on the writing front, too. And I would write stories stories about her cat Ozzy um for her so it became this like gift too that I started being able to give to other people which I love but when I was nine years old I um wrote a collection of stories it was my thoughts about like racism divorce like all of these super serious uh um topics in the world and it was you know just one page thoughts on all of this this was at nine so I always joke I'm like now that I'm a parent like holy crap I feel really bad for my parents because <laughs> um, I don't know what I would do you know if my if my kids did that but um, I called it one burning soul because I had this very clear picture in my head of someone pounding on a glass box screaming for help people walking by just ignoring the soul within and so it was one burning soul and that carried through, you know, I was growing up in the age as like uh, AOL was the thing, uh, AOL Instant Messenger, uh, you know, all of those things were, were out. And so my handle was always one burning soul. Um, so it was interesting then as I got older and, you know, I went into songwriting and some other aspects and then went down the human resources world because you can't make money as a writer, supposedly, which is really funny because hi, I'm 38 and it, yeah, it's happening. <laughs> things you wish you knew back then. Um, and uh, it was, you know, once I had my two boys, um, they really became my why for getting more serious with my dreams. Um, and so I buckled down, started writing, getting my books out there, had other people asking me to help them write their books, to help them publish it. It became a thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to launch a company. Uh, no, I didn't say a company. I'm going to, I'm going to make this something where I'm getting paid. Right. So I opened up one burning soul as a company, uh, or as a business and thought it would just be me helping people. And then it grew into the business that it actually is today. Um, And it just kind of snowballed very naturally in 2020. Um, It was interesting because it was actually, I had COVID uh, for two weeks at the time that I opened it. I was in bed, quarantined, and had a lot of fears during that time. You know, there's a lot of talk. This was March, towards the end of March, 2020, when things became like, okay, this is something, it's big, it's a big deal. And um, yeah, just having these fears of what if I fall asleep and then I don't wake up, like what I want to do with my life. Um, You don't, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not like, if you want to do something, do something today, period. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when it came to like picking a business name, it was obvious with Burning Soul, like I had to have that be a part of it. So it's been incredible because I really feel like once you're aligned with your purpose, um, it can get confusing still at times, especially as it becomes more than what you thought it would be. Like suddenly things got real when I had to get payroll and benefits and like all this other, you know, <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's, it's interesting because I do, I feel like it's always been in me since I was a little girl. I mean, the name came from when I was nine, essentially from this image that I had and you know, that image represented so much just this desire that we all have to be seen and heard for who we truly are and 
the journey that we go through to rediscover what's already naturally in us. And I feel like we get those hints when we're, when we're younger mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it's, it's like what we were talking about, just listening, listening to the clues, uh, tuning into our life journeys to see what's been chipped away at to reveal the truth. Um, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's super like, yeah, it's like holding up a mirror to myself. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Um, Because that's, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm in this self-reflective. Okay. I'm doing this. Why am Mm -hmm. I called to this work? What am I to do with it like who am I in this work and who am I outside of the work and how do I show up as me in every space that I'm in yeah yeah it's incredible oh man this is awesome (laughs) I don't have words I love it. Anyone else who's there, they feel it too. So <laughs> I do that a lot. Like sometimes I just need to sit in this moment. That's yeah. All. yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Whether the moment is like, I've used this phrase before, but sacred awe and wonder, or mm. whether this moment is grief stricken. Yeah. Like lying on the couch, crying torrential floods, yeah. grief. Sometimes we just need to sit in the moment. Yeah. Agreed. Amazing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So speaking of moments, what was the moment or series of events that made you decide to bring your message to the greater world? I don't know, probably everything we talked about, especially with having kids, um, getting sick with COVID, the mm-hmm. pandemic. It's, it's, you know, I feel like this time, especially, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to battle with like insens- insensitivity with saying like, you know, this is kind of feels like the purpose behind the pandemic and behind everything that's happening right now. But gosh, I do feel like it's a, it's a call to wake up. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I feel like I got my first wake up call with the kids because gosh, they are, they're a reflection of so much of who we are. Right. Um, and then coming off the heels of them into all, everything we've gone through over the past two years now, um, it's just been a, it's time like, who are you? Mm-hmm. What are you meant to do? How are you going to fully take advantage of every minute you have? Because holy crap, it is a gift. And if you don't see it for that now, I'm not sure you ever will. Mm-hmm. Um, our lives are so darn important all of our decisions, every minute, every minute. I was reading a book called, uh, 
Oh, I wish I could find it off that. It's called the journey to, I'm looking at all my cases, of course, uh, journey to uh, Ixlon, I think, um, by Carlos. Oh, I'm going to butcher it. So I'll have to follow up later with it. But there's a really powerful phrase in there that that is exactly that. Like we should be living as though every, like our next minute is not going to, to be there. Like that death will come the next minute. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's funny because I've always kind of had that perspective, even if I wasn't living like that, but I was like, gosh, that's morbid. Like I'm thinking about death all the time. I don't think it's a bad thing to think about death. It's, it's there right? Like we all know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anything, it should be that reason why we are living our lives for what they're, what they're, um, supposed to be. Um, yeah. I think it's so important to seize that. So I don't know if that fully answered it. Cause I almost feel like it's just been everything. <laughs> 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 and like, again, reflecting yeah. back to my life and seeing everything come like full circle, like it has, I don't know. It's been every moment in my life. I just feel like now I'm listening and not just listening, but now I'm acting on it. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes the difference. So how, for people who are like, you mentioned kind of having that knowing that mm-hmm. death could happen at any moment, but not necessarily living that way. So for people who are conscious of that or maybe not even conscious of that yet how can we go from knowing existentially into living that way so i you know i i always want to go back to decisions you have to you i, I mean no one no one can truly change your life unless you make the decision for that person to change your life. Right. Like, um, all I can say is that if you've been living a way that is leaving you unfulfilled or leaving, you knowing that there's more, but yet you're not out there trying to figure out what the answer to that is or the solution or changing your patterns or the way you've been doing things to get a different result, like nothing's going to change. Like everything is truly that decision. And, um, you know, for me, it's been really interesting. Um, I've noticed this, I've gotten older and I feel like this, a lot of people can probably relate to this, but, um, I've gotten more fears than what I've ever had before. Uh, especially once I had kids, then it was just this like hurricane of fears. I mean, like it drives me nuts because we'll go walking and I'm like, watch out for that. Watch out for this. Watch. And it's just, it's crazy because I can like constantly see what might happen. Right. And I don't want them to get hurt. I I, want to always protect them. And so it, you know, even when it comes to like death and all of that, um, it's interesting because I used to just be very fearful of it. Um, and I think it's almost the sense, like what I do with the kids, um, as though I am the sole controller of whether or not it's going to come. Like it is fully my duty to protect them from that. Mm-hmm. And I don't have control over it, right? I don't yeah. have control over when it's going to come. 
for me or for anyone else in my life. And so I can spend all of these moments trying to child prove it from happening, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, constantly being in fear, limiting, honestly, the fun that we have because I'm so fearful of certain things. Or I can make sure that our time that we do have here is fully lived to the most, right? And we are doing fun things. We are making a difference. Maybe it means, you know, helping, volunteering in, a, in an area of town that feels dangerous and feels like, why am I putting my kids through this or something like that? But trusting of the impact, right? And that even if something bad happens here, like, you just got to trust. You got to trust that the, how you're living is more important than being fearful of, of the end. Um, so I don't know. It's just all those decisions. It, it's, it truly is. And I have, I've become a lot more, um, comfortable with the idea of death. Um, mm-hmm. because a big theme of mine lately has been like tuning into nature and, you know, nature is always celebrating birth, death, rebirth, the seasons, um, and like you're talking about with the afterlife, like trusting that there's always more. It's not just what we can see now. So I don't know. I'm not sure if that really answered it either, but it's it's a uh, it's all in how you want to see things and how you see things are going to affect your actions, right? So yeah. So much good stuff. <laughs> you're, hit, you're hitting on my passion topics, so. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So what, um, what's your, what would you say your biggest passion is? What lights you up from the inside? Say that again, what, what my biggest what? Your biggest passion. What lights you up from the inside? Ooh. Ooh, geez, these are good questions. <laughs> What lights me up on the inside? Um, you know, it's, I think it's just passion uh, in the sense of all ranges of it. I mean, like it's cool with my kids seeing their passion start to come out as they get older. You know, like my, my six-year-old, he was just drawing me all of these incredible pictures earlier this morning. And I'm like, you have gotten so talented and seeing his happiness out of that is amazing. I was at an event uh, a few weeks ago. It was a mastermind with other entrepreneurs and we're just sitting around brainstorming or sharing ideas. And there was so much passion flowing and just excitement, you know, for what we do. Um, Passion for books when you're talking to people about your favorite books or whatever it is. I just think that is just like one of the, just the greatest feelings and it's so darn contagious and it's such a celebration of this life and what's in it when you can be passionate about so many different things, whether, you know, just conceptual uh, or physical or, you know, whatever it is, like it's, 
I think that's just what lights me up. And like, I love when people are able to discover what they're passionate about in life and what they want to be able to do. I, I think you can see that light just shine within them and it's, mm-hmm. it's the best thing. Yeah, I would say that. <laughs> I think it's so cool that you can, like your passion is passion. Like whether that's your <laughs> own passion I never thought about it like that. (laughs) I was like, as I was listening to you, I was thinking that is cool. Whether it's your own passion or seeing your kids as passion or seeing passion in others and helping them bring out their passions. Um, (laughs) It's like a beacon. I like passion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Our time is almost up. And so what after all the out of everything that we've talked about today, what's your biggest takeaway from our conversation? I think I really liked just even what we were first talking about in the very beginning with uh with just leaning into grief and accepting it for what it is and you know, uh, thinking about it as a friend knocking on your door, like you're describing earlier versus, uh, you know, a terrible neighbor you want to avoid or something like that. (laughs) Um, you know, becoming friends with grief, becoming friends with all of those emotions, uh, and seeing them as, as truly guides through this life. I think as we were talking about that, probably because I need it personally right now, those Mm -hmm. reminders. Um, So I would say that. What about yours? It would be, like you said, because this is where I'm at and what I need is the power of decision, the power of intentional, Mm -hmm. intentional, decisive action. Yeah. And how that can make the difference of being stuck in a career that you don't like for 20 years or manifesting even beyond your biggest dreams. Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) It's a very good one. Awesome. Good question for your audience too, because I think so much about what we talked about is so reflective of where people are, yeah, their own journeys. So I think it would be fascinating to know from your audience listening, like what what that you know what it was for them, because I think it's so my little one's laughing from what you thought. That's awesome. <laughs> it's all good. It's it's life. So yeah, as you're listening in, comment in the chat or send a comment, put a comment in the chat, whatever. <laughs> you know what to do. Wherever you're listening. <laughs> Wherever you're listening. <laughs> Type a note or share with yourself or journal, whatever you, whatever way you want to express it. Um, what's your biggest takeaway from what we talked about in our conversation today? So Lauren, before we leave, is there anything else that you'd like to share today? Um, 
you know, I think it's if just really what we talked about, I mean, if you're experiencing any sort of grief, just remember it doesn't always have to be a big event to acknowledge what it is. It can just be what you're feeling as a result from something very tiny in your life um, that still is making you feel it. That that could be grief and just uh, invite her in, sit with her, um, but journal about it, acknowledge it, embrace it. And of course, with my line of work with helping people turn their stories into powerful books, my, my biggest push out in the world is even if you don't plan on writing a book, write your story for you. Take a stab at writing your entire life journey, um, what you've been through, honoring those peaks in the val- valleys, acknowledging the strength you've had within to get as far as wherever you are today in your life, uh, write it just for you, just to have for you. And then if you ever decide to share it with the world, all you have to do is copy that version, make all the edits, <laughs> edit it for the world, right? But always have that one copy for you um, and just take a moment to really honor your life for what it has been because it's important. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren, for this conversation. It's been magical. Like, there's <laughs> no other way to explain it. It's been magical. Uh, Jenny, thanks for having me on. It's really been great. So if you're looking for a way to capture and tell your story, reach out to Lauren. She's amazing. <laughs> and if you're looking to help find support in your grief, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me at grievingcoach.com or email me, jen at grievingcoach.com. And Lauren, where can people find you? They can find us at burningsoulpress.com, uh, Burning Soul Press on Facebook or Instagram, or connect with me on Instagram, lauren.n.eckhart. Awesome. I think that's all for today. Great. So everyone have a fantastic day. Live with decision and... Write your story.